Christiformity. It's an interesting word. It's a word that a lot of people haven't heard, but it's an incredibly descriptive word. And it's an important one for us here at Three Circle Church and for all of you who are joining us today. Because Christiformity is the crucial process that begins the moment a person places their faith in Jesus Christ. And what is Christiformity? It's very simple. Christiformity is becoming more like Jesus. And I can tell you today that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that is the process that God has started in your life. It's a process that changes us, not from the outside in, it changes us from the inside out. That's what it is all about. Now, for the first few weeks of the Christiformity series, we've been talking about the vertical nature of our relationship with God. Christiformity, becoming more like Jesus, starts with knowing God. After all, how can you imitate someone that you don't know? So as we know God more and more, we love Him. And what we, what we said is that we need to pray a prayer that we got from an ancient saint and it says this, we need to know God more clearly, we need to love Him more dearly, and then we will follow Him more nearly. I hope that all of you are incorporating that into your own prayer life. Well, week one was all about the vertical nature of us knowing God. And when you know God, we said in week two that you can actually know who you are. That's where we get our God-given identity. Every single Christian, when they come to Christ, they receive a brand new identity in Jesus Christ. And you knowing who you are in Christ and not allowing the world, the culture, other people, the, the spiritual enemy who we call Satan, none of those can define you. You must allow God to tell you who you are. Again, the first two weeks were all about the vertical piece. But today, today in the Christiformity series, we are going to go horizontal. We're going horizontal because what you're going to find is just like the cross of Christ, there was a beam that was vertical, and then as they nailed our Savior to the cross, there was a cross beam, and it was horizontal. And that cross represents so many things to us, but the cross represents also this idea of Christiformity. Because when we are right with God vertically, and when we know who we are and our identity in Him vertically, what happens is what is vertical always goes horizontal. And when we get it right vertically with God and who we are within, guess what happens? We begin to have love and compassion for others. What is vertical goes horizontal, just like the cross of Christ. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at what, uh, what is it going to take for you and I to have God-honoring, Christ-exalting, Christiformity types of relationships in our lives? How can we love others the way Jesus loved others? We're going to take a look at how Jesus taught us, showed us, modeled for us the way to love others. And since he is the one we are imitating, we need to learn from him how to go horizontal with the reality that has already been made possible in Christ vertically. So today, let's take a trip and let's learn how to love the way Jesus loved. That is the next step in what we call Christiformity.
So today, week three of Christiformity, we're going to continue to look at these beautiful verses in the New Testament that give us this concept of us becoming more like Jesus, this process that God, through His Spirit, is enacting in our lives, carrying out in our lives every day. And this week, we're going to take a look at this incredible verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Again, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Now there's a lot happening in this incredible verse, but this is a Christiformity verse. And the first thing we see here is that we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. Now we all, that's talking about believers. When you come to Christ, it's like the blinders are taken off of your eyes and you begin to see things you could not see before. Not only are you given a new identity in Christ, you're given new vision. You can see uh, what was hidden before. And the number one thing that we can begin to see is truth. We begin to see who God is. So that is exactly what that's talking about. In other words, that uh, first part of this beautiful verse is describing your vertical relationship with God, which has led you to your Christ given identity. That's what it means when we are unveiled with our eyes and our faces. We behold the glory of the Lord. And then what happens? Look, notice here, when that vertical thing takes place, when we are regenerated, what we call it in theological circles, when new life comes into us because of Christ, we begin a process. And it says you are being transformed into the same image. What image is he talking about? The one that you now can see since your blinders have been taken off, the image of Christ. Now you know, not only through uh, what's going on around you, but through Scripture. You have the example of Christ. You know who Jesus is. And as you're exposed to the truth of who he is and your identity in him, you begin this transformation process. And it says you are being transformed. What this means is Christian transformation is continual and it is progressive. That's what this verse means. It means when you come to Christ, you begin to be transformed. And it's not an instantaneous process. Now, you coming to life in Christ, you being saved is a moment. But you becoming more like Christ is a lifetime of moments, ups and downs, hard things, good things, easy things. God uses all of this like a great chef throwing ingredients into the pot to make your life more like Christ. So what I want you to understand is it is both progressive and it is a beautiful process. This is what we call Christiformity. So all of us who are believers are in this great process where God is transforming us from the deepest part of who we are vertically and now horizontally. Let's take a look at that horizontal nature because here's something you're going to see today. Christiformity involves loving God completely, security in your identity in Christ. Both of those are vertical in nature. And then today we're going to see that it will lead to us loving others compassionately. That's horizontal. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now this is an incredible verse, and what Jesus basically did is he summed up the entire Bible in a couple of sentences. And what Jesus is basically teaching us is the idea of Christiformity does always start vertical. It starts with loving God, and it starts with our identity coming out of our love for God. But listen, what begins with loving God always ends with loving others. Always. What begins with the love of God always ends with the love of people. 
And that's what you need to understand today. It's not enough for us to just love God and know who we are in Christ. There is going to be an outflow of what is happening inside of us. It's an incredible thing when we begin to see that God wants us to love others. Now, the problem is loving others is not easy for us because the thing we're hardwired to do is to love ourselves. We're hardwired to be all about us. I love me some me, and what I know about all of you joining us today is that you love you some you, all right? So what God does is he begins to, in this process of Christiformity, strip us of those things. He breaks that inside of us so that we can love others. You see, the greatest demonstration of your love for God vertically is when you begin to love others compassionately, passionately, and rightly horizontally. There's nothing that will show that you know God, that you love Him, that you really understand who He is more than you loving people. And not just loving people who are easy to love, but loving those who are hard to love. You see, here's something else you're going to find out. The Bible is clear that our love for others as Christians begins with loving our brothers and sisters. It starts with our family, known as the family of God, the body of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It extends beyond the walls of our churches to loving all people. Because remember, we understand that all humans are created in the image of God. We call that the Imago Dei. And what we understand is all people matter to God. They have dignity, intrinsic dignity given to them because they bear the image of their creator. Therefore, we as Christians must love even our enemies, the Bible says. So this horizontal beam of the cross that represents this horizontal love that we're to have for others begins in the church, but it goes beyond the church. It goes in our communities. It goes to our neighborhoods. It goes to people we haven't even met yet. It goes to people all over the world. Why? Because Christiformity is a process that leads us to love others, not just those that are close and easy to love, but those who are far and wide, even those who are hard to love. This is what the horizontal nature of loving others, like Christ loved, that's what it is all about. This is what Christiformity really looks like. So this horizontal beam of the cross, if you will, this horizontal part of our Christiformity is so crucial that the Bible indicates that if you want to know if you really love God, uh, then look at the way you love others. It's, it's the number one indicator. And in a negative sense, if you want to know uh, and, and tell if you don't know God, just look at the way you love others because the Bible pretty much tells us that if you don't love others and if this part of you is not growing, then you don't, you don't know God. You don't love God. Listen to these powerful words, 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Now, this was written to Christians. How do we know that? Because the first word is beloved. These are This is for Christians. Listen to what it says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. That's vertical. Love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And there is the horizontal. If we love horizontally, it means we know God vertically. Look at verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is crucial. The Bible is telling us that there is no way you can really know the God who is the God of love. You can't know Him and have Him living inside of you by His Spirit. You can't be in a process called Christiformity where you're trying to imitate Jesus without loving people, without loving people passionately, rightly, without loving all people, 
That's what the Bible is telling us. It's a huge challenge because it's not natural for us. Once again, this is a huge spiritual indicator because since it is not natural for us to love people in this way, when we do, it's an indicator that something big is happening inside of us, something supernatural is happening inside of us. The whole world's watching. Will we love the way Christ loved? And the Bible tells us here the ultimate show of God's love for us was sending His own Son to a cross. That word propitiation means payment. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. Jesus paid that debt with His own blood, His own death on the cross. And so uh, the, the words of Scripture here challenge us. And these words say to us, if God loved us, and we know He did, if God has loved us so much, then we should love one another, starting in the church, horizontally, but extending beyond. See, the, the reason we love, the fuel in the tank of our love, is the reality that we were first loved by God, that He demonstrated that love through Jesus on the cross. Therefore, we are to sacrifice and forgive and uh, bend over backwards to love people. And, and when that's hard, we're reminded here that you and I will never sacrifice as much to love people as Jesus sacrificed to love us. You and I will never take more scorn, more pain, uh, more rejection than Jesus experienced on our behalf. No one's ever loved like Jesus loved. So therefore, all of us under the shadow of his cross should love others. It's hard. It's not easy. In fact, it's impossible for you and I to do. But when God begins to work in our lives vertically, supernatural things begin to happen horizontally. It's an incredible thing when God begins to work the Christiformity process in our lives, vertically and horizontally. Now, the problem is there are many, many things that stand in our way. So let's take a few moments and see what stands in the way. As we step into the blacksmith shop of God, what is in the way of us actually being able to love other people? Let's take a look at that right now. you'll find in modern metalworking shops and blacksmith shops. I'm in a very old one here in beautiful Stockton, Alabama. This is a real blacksmith shop. But in a modern metalworking shop, there's this thing called welding. And welding is a powerful thing in the modern world where we create all kinds of things, big and small. But what happens when a welder welds, the first thing, you can't just go in there and start putting metal together. You have to, you have to make sure that impurities and other barriers uh, to that weld between these two pieces of metal, you have to make sure that it is cleaned off. And they use a lot of different things, but the most common is a wire brush. I actually grew up, my dad was a welder when I was a kid, and we had welding stuff around our shops where I grew up, and I would watch my dad do this, and he would clean that metal off with a metal brush. It's a rough process, but it removes everything that's in the way. Before you can make a great weld holding these pieces of metal together, you got to remove the impurities. And what we're going to find today is that we have things in the way of our loving people rightly and having Christiformity types of relationships in our lives, and they must be removed. Now, what are a few of those things? Well, let's take a look at them right now. And the first one that we're going to look at is the idea of pride. 
Pride is one of the things that the great blacksmith of heaven, God himself, has to remove out of our lives before we can have healthy relationships. Jesus uh, didn't have pride. He, uh, he, he never sinned. But you and I do. And it is definitely a barrier to loving and serving others the way Jesus did. In fact, the book of Proverbs says this, Pride brings nothing but strife. Another version says, Pride brings nothing but quarrels. Proverbs 13 and 10. See, pride is when we think a little too much of ourselves. It's when we think that we are better than others. And I'm telling you, it is impossible for you to love your spouse, your kids, your family members, your church family. And certainly it's going to be impossible for you to love people who are hard to love. Maybe even people that would be your enemies in a sense. It's hard to do that. I would say impossible to do that if you have pride in your life that you're not placing on the cross of Christ, that you're not taking to Jesus on a constant basis. And pride will creep up on you. It's a sneaky thing. And you know what I've found? in ministry over the years is, is that people would rather be called almost anything than greedy and prideful. People don't like to be called prideful, and I think the reason we don't is because we are prideful. We're too proud to, to admit that we have a pride problem, right? Listen to what the book of Romans says about this. For I say, Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, watch this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, there should be an innate, built-in humility to those of us who are in Christ because we all know that we didn't deserve this, we didn't earn this, and yet God has been good to us. How in the world can we be prideful about our lives? We all needed a Savior. So when we, again, the cross of Christ becomes the shadow under which you and I live this Christiformity life that we've been given to live which includes the horizontal, which includes loving others, and pride will get in your way. So allow God today to take the great wire brush of heaven, if you will, through His Holy Spirit and begin to remove that out of your life. It's a painful, rough process, but in the end, you can actually have relationships that honor Christ. The next thing that will get in your way is ungratefulness. Not being thankful, not being grateful will stand in the way of you having Christiformity, horizontal relationships in your life. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4-7. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have, this is huge, what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Do we understand what we've been given would be the question that comes out of that verse today. See, many of us are simply not grateful for the vertical. Again, it all starts vertical. If I understand who I am in Christ, not only do I know I can have confidence in that, but I'm also incredibly grateful because I know I didn't earn it, didn't deserve it. And when I become thankful vertically to God for all that He has done, it humbles me and enables me then to not look down on others, but instead love others and care for others and see that the only thing different between me and them is that I've been given grace. I've experienced grace. It helps me love one another inside the church because now my fellow brothers and sisters who've experienced grace, we're all in this process and we fall down and we get back up and none of us are perfect. And yet we have great grace for one another because we are all grateful. We can see the shadow of the cross all around our lives. So ungratefulness will get in the way. Allow God to remove that with the wire brush in the blacksmith shop to get it off of you so that you can actually have these relationships he's called you to have. The third thing that will get in the way 
of you having these Christiformity relationships that honor Christ is this, selfishness. Being self-centered and selfish will stop you from being able to weld, if you will, uh, yourself to others in this Christiformity way. Listen uh, to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all. So we know that Jesus died for us, but he died for some specific reasons. And here's one of them. That those who live, in other words, those who are Christians now, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now see, self-centeredness is innate. It's one of the devastating results of the fall. Adam and Eve were not created self-centered. They were created God-centered. And there was a great love and a serving of one another. They served one another. But the fall in the Garden of Eden, and when I say the fall, I'm talking about when sin entered the picture, when Adam and Eve sinned against God. We call that in theological circles the fall. And when that happened, it had devastating consequences. And one of the things that happened is that we began to be self-centered, and we are born that way. If you've had children, i got three of them, you know that even your kids, before they can talk, are self-centered. They want their toy. They want their bottle. They want their diaper changed. And it doesn't really change over time. People are so driven to be self-centered. Even after we come to Christ, we still deal with our flesh. It didn't just go away. We still have this magnetic pull like a current of a rushing river pulling us back to self-centeredness. But the Bible says here, one of the things Jesus wants to set you free from is being self-centered. He died for all so that those who live in Him, they don't live for themselves anymore. In other words, your life is so much bigger than being about you now. And can I tell you that one of the greatest things in the Christian life is that you don't have to worry about getting what you need all the time, making sure you're not getting one-upped by someone else, always looking out for yourself. God sets you free from that. By the way, it's a terrible way to live, self-centered. And you can't love others well. Instead of you, listen, this is the key to you having relationships where you don't use people, you love people. And if you're really honest, often we do use people. We want to be around the people who we think can advance our lives, can make life good for us or our kids. We're constantly trying to play this game. And the Bible says that one of the things Jesus does supernaturally in the lives of all believers is he takes that kind of stuff away from that horizontal nature of our life. And we can love people rightly when we stop being self-centered. Too many of us, and I've been like this, we live life like it's a great movie and we're the star of it. And everyone around us, they're simply the supporting cast for our movie. And maybe you've lived that way. Maybe you treat your kids that way, your spouse that way, people at your church that way, your coworkers. But, but at the end of the day, it's all about you. You're the star of the show, the movie. You are the picture on the poster for the movie of your life, and that's how you see it. And that's a self-centered way to live, and you're never going to love people the right way. But what if you flip that? What if you say, you know, the point of my life is not me. It's Christ and others. It's vertical and horizontal. What if you begin to live that way? Let me tell you, it's one of the freest ways you can live your life. It will be more rewarding than you could ever imagine. Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Listen, this is what Christiformity looks like, but we, got, we have to kill that self-centered part of who we all can be. And then finally, self-deceit. Self-deceit needs to be removed like a wire brush taking the impurities off of metal so you can weld them together. Self-deceit, and we all have a little bit of this in us. Let me tell you what I mean, and this verse will explain it. Jesus was talking to Matthew 7, 3 through 5. He said this, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Why do you do that? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, Jesus is saying we can be so selfish, even after we come to Christ, if we're not careful, that we miss the fact that we are so judgmental of others, we're so condescending to others, we're so looking down on others, that we miss that we're dealing with the same stuff, that we're dealing with issues as well. And Jesus says that a humility is required for people who want to be like Him. That we are not to simply point out what's wrong with others without understanding that we too sin, that we too fail, that we too are weak. And that self-deceit thing is when we go, no, we're fine. It's kind of like this. If you have really high standards for everyone around you, but really low standards for yourself, you're deceiving yourself. And that is not a Christiformity way to live your life. In marriage, this is huge. If you always think that you had good intentions with whatever you did, but you always assume that your spouse was thinking really badly or trying to do badly, and they, they're always wrong and you're always right, my friend, you've got a two-by-four hanging out of your eye and you're trying to remove a piece of dust from your spouse's eye. That's what Jesus was talking about here. So the question today is, are we willing to let God take the great wire brush of heaven in the hands of His Spirit and remove those impurities from our lives? Because we are called to have horizontal relationships like a welder taking metal and putting it together. But it cannot happen with that stuff in the way it's going to require you have the wire brush taken to your life. And me as well. So I hope that you will open your life to that process today. So as we look at the idea of Christiformity, remember at the very base of it, the very, the very bottom, the core of this thing is that we're trying to become more like Jesus Christ. That's what Christiformity is all about. It begins vertical, and now we see today it goes horizontal. Now remember, we're imitating Christ. So Jesus is the one who modeled this for us. Jesus had these deep, rich, beautiful relationships. How did he do it? How did Jesus love people so well? It's clear that he loved everyone. He, As they nailed the nails through his hands and feet on the cross, he was forgiving those who did this to him. He had a love that was supernatural, and that is what we are to aspire to, and not just aspire, but to enter a process called Christiformity where the Holy Spirit works this in us. So how did Jesus do it? Well, we're going to look at some powerful verses here that tell us how Jesus was able to do it and a picture of him modeling this kind of Christiformity love for us. Listen to what the Bible says in John 13, 3 through 5. This is right before Jesus would die. It's at what we call the Last Supper that he had with his disciples. The Bible says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, that's how, by the way. What you just saw is vertical. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew where he came from. And Jesus knew where he was going. He knew who his father was. He knew his own identity. God had made that clear to him. He knew where he came from. He came from heaven and he knew that he was going to return. Jesus was secure. Now watch this. You cannot love others if you're insecure. You have to know who you are. It starts vertical. But because Jesus knew those things, because he knew those things, look what it says next. He rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is beautiful, beautiful scriptures, right? 
powerful moment as Jesus, the one that they had watched uh, calm storms and heal blind people and bring the dead to life and cast out demons. They, they had seen the mighty power of Jesus, the greatest person that earth had ever seen. And now he is, he is washing their feet. He is, he is serving them. Jesus, the master, has become a servant in that moment. What does this mean? And why was he able to do it? Let's take a moment to just look under the hood of this verse so that we understand why it's so important that we know who we are in Christ and that that leads to serving and loving others radically. Let's take a look at that right now. So as we look at this verse and, and, and group of verses and this powerful scene at the Last Supper where Jesus is serving and loving his disciples so radically, how was he able to do it? Well, from that verse, Jesus knew some things. Jesus knew his dignity and power. That's why the Bible says all things into his hands. God had placed all things into his hands. So Jesus understood who he was. He knew he had dignity. So he could get on his knees and wash feet because he was defined already. He already had his identity. He had power. He was the most powerful person in every room he ever walked into. But he didn't have to flaunt that power. The book of Colossians says that Jesus, though being God himself, never took advantage of that while he was on this earth. He also knew his significance and his identity. That's why the Bible says he had come from God. He knew he had come from God, so he knew he was significant, and he knew who he was, whose he was. Jesus also knew his security and his destiny. In other words, he was going back to God. That's what that verse says. Jesus knew these things. Jesus knew who he was, where he came from, and where he was going, and because of that, he was able to love and serve radically. Now, did you know this? Did you know that all believers in Christ have the same exact thing true for us? Did you know that you and I have an identity in Christ? That we have significance. We have power that's been given to us through the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus was given, those resources are available to us. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. Did you understand that? That you and I can serve people this radically, this well, this powerfully, and this is the kind of stuff that changes the world. Not our knowledge and our theological prowess and how great our perfect attendance record is at church. No, the, the heart of the gospel is loving God and loving others, and that will change the world. It'll turn it upside down when Christians like you and I begin to live horizontally the reality that we've been given in Christ vertically. We have this same thing. We know who we are in God. We know where we're going when this life ends. We know the power that's been placed inside of us. So we, like Jesus, have the ability through his spirit to love in this way. This is huge. Now, what we see here is that Jesus did something powerful. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. I want to talk to you for just a minute about why that's both powerful and also challenging. Because what Jesus was doing was not just telling us, but showing us what true love looks like and showing us the way we must love others. So it must have been pretty powerful that night at the Last Supper, a very moving scene as the disciples watched the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus himself, take off his outer robe. Remember, they, they loved Jesus. They, the Bible's clear. They feared Jesus. They saw his power. They knew what he could do. And yet here he is at the Last Supper, taking off his outer robe, putting a towel around him. This What he was doing when he was acting like a servant, he was becoming a servant right before their eyes. See, in the ancient world, in Jesus' day, when you went to dine with people, you didn't sit at a table in chairs. You would lounge at a very low table. People would literally lounge around the table. 
and they walked around in sandals or bare feet all day long in a dusty, arid climate. They all had dirty feet. So it was common, it was required, really, in that custom, in that time, in that culture, to have a servant there when you came to a home or a place to eat who would wash your feet outside before you went in. It was not provided on the evening of the Last Supper. I think Jesus probably planned this because Jesus wanted to be the one to serve his disciples. So Jesus does the lowliest thing you could do. It was so symbolic. I personally think the disciples were probably weeping as he went one by one. And another thing that's powerful that you need to remember is Jesus knew all things. He knew Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, was just a few hours away from completely betraying him to the Sanhedrin and to the temple police and, and, and those guys. They were coming to get him, and, and Judas was going to carry that out. And yet, did you know that Jesus washed his feet too? He didn't just wash the ones he was close to, his inner three, Peter, James, and John. He didn't just wash those guys' feet. He washed Judas's feet. This is a powerful moment. And after he had done this powerful thing, Jesus said this in John 13, 12 through 16. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Jesus wasn't just talking to the 12 disciples in the room. He was talking to you and I. He was talking to us. Because what Jesus did that night is he gave us an example. This is what Christiformity love looks like. It's not easy, it's hard. In fact, can I just say to you today, let me just say this, a towel might be the heaviest thing in the world. Not a hammer, not a sword, but a towel. You wanna know why a towel is one of the heaviest things in the world? Because it's hard for us to serve people. Oh, everybody will talk about being a servant at heart until they're treated like one. But on that night, Jesus served. He served when it was hard to serve. And the next day, he would go and be crucified for us. And Jesus says to them and us, if you're going to follow me, you got to love like I love. you got to do as I do. And never has there been a more visceral, visual example of love than that night at the Last Supper and what he would do the next day. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you picked up a towel and not just said you loved people, but served them, forgave them, cared for them, called and had the conversation when it was hard, beginning in your own home and then in your church body, but then beyond to the world. Listen, today I want to challenge you to love people and serve people radically the way Jesus did and pick up the heaviest thing in the world, pick up a towel and serve like Jesus served. Love as Jesus loved. That is the call of the gospel that is the call of Christiformity in our lives. And remember, since it's so heavy, you need someone to help you lift it. The Holy Spirit does that. You cannot do this by yourself. It's not in you. It has to be something God puts in you. So vertical, horizontal. Let's pick up the towel and love like Jesus loved.